Yep. Here's your problem. You haven't been listening to MileHighRadio.com. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Good morning, everybody. Hey there, this is Patrick Almond on Deb Creer's Social Light Show. And one of the first things you'll notice today is I sound nothing like uh, Deb Creer. Deb is on a great Alaskan cruise with her mom this week, and she asked me to guest host, which I would gladly do any point in time. If she just snapped her fingers, I would be here there for her. So this is Patrick Almond. We are going to be talking to Corey Perlman today on the Social Light Show. If you're listening live, please feel free to promote this on your different social media channels, on Facebook, on Twitter, and get some live listeners here. Today, our guest is going to be Corey Perlman, who runs a company called eBootCamp. And I just want to do it real quick and make sure Corey's there. I'm here, Patrick. Great to hear from you, buddy. Oh, man, it's always great to hear your voice. Let's run through this quick bio here. Uh, I thought this was great. Uh, and then we'll get into the meat of the show today. Corey Perlman is an entrepreneur, author, and nationally recognized social media expert. His book, eBootCamp, became an Amazon.com bestseller in every major business category and received global attention with distribution in both China and India. Holy freaking cow, that's awesome. Uh, Corey's company, eBootCamp Incorporated, provides digital marketing services to small and mid-sized businesses. A proud member of the National Speakers Association, which is where I met Corey, uh, Corey conducts his critically acclaimed social media for business keynote to audiences around the world. He's the proud father of a three-year-old daughter who has already tweeted, has a YouTube channel, and has asked for a Mark Zuckerberg doll for her birthday. I didn't even know they made those. Is that, is that really a thing? <laughs> maybe, maybe we should if they don't. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. And so real quick, the apple does not fall very far from the tree. And for more information about what Corey does and the amazing ways he's bringing social media to the world, you can visit his website at ebootcamp.com. So are you doing okay today, Corey? I'm here, man. I'm very excited, buddy. How are you doing? Pretty good. So are you on the road today on a speaking engagement? Are you are you back at the office? No, I'm, uh, I'm actually sitting in uh, my basement here in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. My 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 dog is, is being a good boy so far and, and sleeping. You know, they got the good life uh, next to the door. But if... Uh, a squirrel happens to make a peep, or any sort of sound happens, I guarantee you'll hear him. <laughs> gotcha. So that's so that's where the that's where the office is today is in the basement. Huh? How's the weather up there? The weather's beautiful. We've had a a, a very rainy uh, summer here in, in Atlanta, but today we've got a nice sunny day. So uh, I got the scooter out and uh, plan on taking that probably for a ride later on today. So. Gotcha. So we just we just got back from the uh, speaker National Speaker Association conference. In, in Philadelphia, and that was a great chance. Now, was that the first time that we met face-to-face? Um, we, I think we met uh, one year prior to that. You know, it's funny with those, those things. They're, they're amazing because you meet so many amazing people, but it's hard when you only see them once a year, you know. So I think you and I need to commit to, uh, you know, either uh, you come to Atlanta or I'll come out there to Oklahoma and, uh, and get some more, more time together. Oh, no, I'm definitely for that. I've visited Atlanta in the past, and that's, I believe, where, where Five Point Station is. I had some 
some good pizza out there and things like that. So I'm always up for for a trip to Atlanta. Awesome. Well, you got a place to stay, but as long as you like dogs. Oh man, as as long I'm okay as long as they don't smell the cat on me because we have a cat here and then they go after me because that'll, <laughs> that'll just be trouble. So I was just kind of curious because we never had a chance to chat about this in person. Tell me a little bit about your history and what got to this point and why you even thought about forming this company. Well, um, I originally was with General Motors um, back in 2000, and we went on a tour teaching car dealers about the Internet. And it was literally kind of like road rules from MTV. Uh, there was five interns, and I was a graduate student at the time. And we're literally just, just going city to city, and we're teaching these these car dealers about how to do business on the web. And as you know, back in 2000, gosh, that's like the stone ages, dark ages of the Internet. It was brand new to everybody, and it was a really exciting experience. We were in the Wall Street Journal and Fast Company Magazine, and, and, and just, we were just having a blast. That was actually where I met my wife, too, which was pretty cool. She was on that trip with us. So we both didn't uh, want to kill each other after six months of, of being in a van traveling the world together, so we decided uh, to get married. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, you know, that so that's 2000. Uh, actually, we're coming up on, on the anniversary of September 11th, as everybody knows. And when that happened, uh, we had to shut down that tour because uh, obviously not only did it impact our country in many different ways, but it also impacted our economy. And so uh, from there, you know, I left General Motors soon after. But, I, you know, I kept teaching this Internet course any chance I could, Patrick, because I could see how much it was impacting the car dealers. So I started teaching it to real estate bro brokers, mortgage brokers, accountants, you name it, I'd teach it. And I just started seeing that no matter the industry, the fundamentals remained very consistent. So I decided to write a book on the topic called eBoot Camp, which, as you said before, did pretty well in the bookstores and such. And so I started getting speaking engagements and consulting requests. So at that point, um, my boss at the time kicked me out of the nest, which I'm sure many people can, can appreciate and tend to need that. <laughs> right. And I went and started my own company, and, um, and eBootCamp was born, I think, back in 2009, I think, is when I started my company. Gotcha. Well, so since 2009, and you, I know, uh, you are based where again? You say it was Michigan, is that right? I was in Michigan um, for the last 10 years, and we recently moved down to Atlanta. Um, but, you know, in beautiful Michigan, where I wrote that book and started my company, and I can tell you, man, um, I'm a big fan of, of Detroit. Everybody talks about, you know, the um, coming back and, and how scary, you know, a, a, an economy Detroit was. But you know what? I started my company there, wrote my book there, and um, had a lot of great opportunities there. And the only reason I even picked up and moved to Atlanta is just because I'm from the South. My family's down here, and I'm a, I'm a warm climate kind of guy. But other than that, I uh, love the great state of Michigan. Oh, no, I hear you. It's same, same with me. Anything, anything that you choose under about eighty to me is a little bit chilly, and then that's yes. just the, the way yes. it has to, <laughs> the way it has to be. And it's interesting because mm -hmm. you, know, you sometimes when you work in an office with somebody who has the opposite temperature, you you, you break thermostats just from the the battling and the changing back and forth. You got it. You got it. So let's talk a little bit about social media. I had some questions here, and the first one in in my list of questions. Hopefully, we can get to these in the hour that we have together is uh, let's just talk about mistakes. People are going to listen to this show to learn about social media and learn about how to do it the right way and the wrong way. And I, you and I have very similar topics. And in the classes that I give, one of the very first things that people, people say is they're afraid to get into it because they're just afraid of making mistakes. They are scared to death because they see people in the national news 
make a simple social media slip up and and you know it gain, it, gain, it garners worldwide attention. So when you look at people that are getting into social media the first time, what's a, what are a couple of common mistakes that you see people do every single time? Well, it's funny. I've never thought of it this way before, but as you were saying that, I thought back to um, uh, one time I was in the gym with a friend of mine, and he was a little overweight and he was a little self-conscious about being in there. And, um, you know, I could just tell he wasn't having a good time. And he was just like, you know, I don't want, you know, I was trying to get him to, to, to do certain things like on the, the boasty balls and things of that nature, and he just wouldn't do it. And he's like, Corey, man, I look stupid. You know, people are going to do this and this. And I finally I looked at him and I said, DJ, I got to tell you something, man. No one's looking at you. No one cares. And he looked around and said, you know what, you're right, no one's looking at me. You know, it's like we got to kind of get over ourselves a little bit. I kind of relate that back to social media. Not that no one cares, but, you know, at the bottom line is, you know, not everyone's staring at our social media profiles day in and day out waiting for us to make a mistake. I think it's like one of those things that we don't have to be so self-conscious about what we put out there because at the end of the day, you know, we're not Snooky. We're not, uh, you know, Brad Pitt. You know, we're not going to have the, the magnifying glass of the world is not uh, staring down on us. Now, having said that, it can still be a scary place, and I understand that, but I, I just think that uh, when it comes to starting out, you know, the key is, is to, um, I, I find that the, um, the the rabbit, the hare, so to speak, wins versus the, the tortoise in this game. You know, the quicker people get get going on social media, the quicker they are to post things that are relevant and interesting, the more success IT businesses, small businesses tend to have. The analysis paralysis, Patrick, on social media uh, can, can be can be pretty detrimental to to your your business if you decide to use social media. Gotcha. So sometimes, basically, people are just over overthinking it. Is what it sounds like. Yeah, analysis paralysis does not work well uh, in, in social media, in, in particular. It's uh, you got to get over that if you're gonna if you're gonna jump into this game. Gotcha. Now, a lot of social media, uh, you know, likes to lead back to a website, and so I'm gonna be kind of going back and forth between what you should be doing on the properties that you own. Uh, and what you should be doing on social media because I was browsing your website and I see that, that you advocate people working on their own site as well as the social media site. So I try to also find some questions here to, to really keep you on your toes. And the next one is if I came to you as a client with uh, a brand new website, for example, and, uh, you had 15 minutes, we had 15 minutes together. Uh, and I was just starting off brand new, and this gets a little bit also back into what we just talked about. If I was just starting off brand new with a brand new website, and we only had 15 minutes together, what would you tell me? It's mm, a good way of putting that question, Patrick, because you really got to focus in. Um, I, I give you three things uh, to make sure you do on your website. And by the way, this is for people who are brand new, but I also see many seasoned websites um, that have been around for years that are making these same mistakes. So. Whether you're new or you're experienced, I really think these, these particular issues I've seen have been the most common mistakes I've seen with websites. So number one is color pollution. Um, you know, if you have more than, than two or three primary colors on your website, you're starting to distract the visitors from what's most important, which is your content. So, you know, pinks and blues and yellows and teals and greens and all this kind of stuff just distracts people. Um, you know, uh, hopefully gone are the days, Patrick, where music comes on, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, or pinwheels or, you know, all these type of things simply distract from your core message. So uh, be careful of color pollution. Get a couple of colors that go together. 
I have no idea what those are. You know, my, my wife typically, you know, dresses me. I'm, I'm pretty much colorblind when it comes to, to anything matching and such. But I know that good web designers know what they're doing and, you know, find colors that complement each other and that's it. The second one is your critical information above the fold. What I mean by that is uh, don't make people scroll for critical information. And this is actually more important today than ever before because we're on different devices all over the place. Right. And, you know, you want to have a mobile responsive site. So you want your site to appear correct on whatever device that they're on. But whether you have that or not, if, for example, Patrick, your phone number is a, a critical piece of your business and something you want every visitor to see, don't put it at the bottom. Put it at the top. So no matter if I'm on a flat screen TV that's 200 feet long or a tiny little device that's three inches wide, you can still see that phone number. So make sure your critical information is above the fold. Don't make people scroll. And the third and final thing, and probably what I'd say is, is the most important, is collect people's information. You fail as a marketer if you let people leave your website without giving you their information. Name, email address are primary. Phone number obviously can be important to some of you and other things, but those are the three. And remember, right. people don't like to give out that information, right, Patrick? You don't like right. giving out your email address. Okay. So you got to find a way to get people to give you their information. So, what, so what's worked out? So I know you have lots of experience in this area. When you recommend that clients... Uh, provide free information like that. What works? What works very well to to give to people to encourage them to give up their information because you know privacy is such a big concern on the internet. And I I don't I don't give the time of day if I can all of what it. So what's worked well for for when you've advised clients in the past to give out? You know I like doing a um, some sort of obviously something that's of value to them. You know so. If it's a um, if it's a home you know remodeling company you know say a bath kitchen bath remodeling it's the seven mistakes to avoid costly um, errors in your home remodel or the seven deadly sins of being taken advantage of in whatever industry you know you kind of go in the negative use the fear card a little bit those seem to work well um, but you know bottom line is is give away. Give away the, the store, man. Give away, you know, your bank. It's got, you know, the, the, the exchange of information to be able to stay in touch with a potential prospect ongoing until they become a customer is, is so powerful that don't ever be afraid you're giving away too much. That's, that can be the, the a deadly sin in itself, as you know, Patrick. Right. Uh, so find whatever is mouth-watering, appealing to that particular visitor, most visitors, and give that away in exchange for the information. Great, great. Now I have the same question for you on the social media side. If if um, I was sitting down with you for uh, over a coffee in a Starbucks, and we had 15 minutes, and I'm like, I, I have a business plan when I go to it, but you've got 15 minutes to tell me what to do in social media because I want to get into it. But uh, like I said, I'm on my way out the door, but I'm a little bit afraid of it. So in 15 minutes over a cup of coffee, what what can someone? What would you tell someone who's brand new to social media, what should they do first? Um, they need to focus first. And, you know, I say focus, and I probably, Patrick, kind of ears light up a little bit because that's, that's really your niche and what I love to see about your stuff is all about um, focusing, you know, and I think you would agree that 
when it comes to social media with the Pinterest and the Google Plus and the YouTube and the Twitter and the Facebook and LinkedIn and all these things, people start to get overwhelmed. So what do you do? Well, the first thing you do is stop trying to be a master or jack of all social media sites, master of none. Focus on the one or two sites that A, your customers and prospects are hanging out on. So if your customers are 55 and older, you don't need to worry about Twitter. You know, they're just not on there. Gotcha. Um, if your customers are, are executives and high-level Fortune 500 companies, you know Facebook may not be the environment for you. So you got to kind of figure out where your customers and prospects are hanging out, and then just dive into that site and, and 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 do it really well. So I would prioritize Patrick and focus on those sites. That's number one. And then number two, I develop a strategy. Uh, what I'm doing on there, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I often see businesses make is they just start tweeting. You can't just start tweeting. It doesn't work that way. You can't just start connecting with people on LinkedIn and hope your business increases. Um, you got to have a plan, you know. So, for example, I'm going to start connecting with decision makers on LinkedIn. I'm going to start delivering value by sharing updates on a daily basis in my industry or in my niche. And then I'm going to invite people off of LinkedIn for coffee conversations or free workshops or give something away of value in exchange for meeting together or something to get them off their computer and face-to-face where business actually can take place. And that's a critical element to social media success. And, uh, Patrick, do we have one more minute for a quick story? Or I don't know when your commercial break is. Or are we okay? Oh yeah, yeah, we're okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot for the, I'm gonna shoot for the bottom of the hour. Deb said we can do every 15 minutes, but we also okay. said we're, we're gonna go with the flow and talk as long as we can talk. Okay, so, so real quick story to kind of put, put this point home. I was, I was doing a private consultation for a roofing company, and you know we'd gone through their different social media strategy and some of the other things we talked about. And finally, a guy said, you know, Corey, this all sounds great, but at the end of the day, we need to, to close business and sell more roofing contracts. And he said, how do we do that? And I said, that's a good question. I said to the group, there's like 10 of them. I said, uh, is there access to your roof up here? And he said, um, kind of looked at me strangely. And he's like, yeah, we can get up to the roof. Of course we can. We're roofers, right? And I said, let's go up there. And they all looked at me kind of oddly. And so we all walked up on, and we got up on the roof. I was in my suit and tie. I looked kind of goofy. Uh, they're up there, you know, walking around with ease. And I'm like on all fours, deathly afraid. But I had to prove my point, you know, so... We kind of climb up on this roof, and we're all sitting there, and they're looking at me again with this just sort of weird look. And you, I said, well, you asked me the question, where do you close more roofing contracts? And I said, this is where you do it, the same place you've always done it. You still give estimates. You still come out. You still show them where the areas that they need to improve, and you still close them here. You don't close them on Facebook. You don't close them on LinkedIn. Those are the places where you engage you, 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 you do the first steps of your funnel, so to speak, but you still close where you've always closed. And that's a critical element to social media success. That was great. Wow. I'm going to have to highlight that and put a star next to it. It's, it's something I, I, I don't see emphasized enough and something even I forget on occasion is that you've got to take that stuff offline. You've got to get face-to-face with someone uh, social media, you, you don't close many, if any, deals on social media is what it sounds like to me. Well, not if, not if it's, um, not if that's not what your core business is. You know, if you're selling, um, you know, if you're an online retailer, of course you're selling online, but, you know, if you're selling things that are primarily face to face, um, you know, st- 
strategies in terms of your sales process, then that needs to, to remain the same. And you, you need to use social media as a credibility builder, as a way to stay top of mind, which is critical, and as a way to increase you know, new leads, which is also possible. But it's not a, a place to substitute where you've been closing business in the past. Gotcha. Okay, good stuff right there. I hope people are taking notes on that. Okay, now I've got some questions. Uh, here, I got a question about measurement because I'm a one of the big things I like to do is know that what I'm doing is actually having an impact on my business, or I can actually somehow quantify what I'm doing. And is is that is that even possible with social media? And what can I measure? And what can I measure? So if if I get with you, for example, and I get a, a good social media strategy in place. Is there any way to know that people are reading what I'm doing or know that people are seeing what I'm putting out, or do I just have to kind of cross my fingers and, and just hope it's happening? Well, what I love about that question, Patrick, is I know when you're asking it that you know you're, you you probably know the answer better than I do. But you're a great interview as you as you ask the question. There. I know you're probably like, oh, I want to answer this. So you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to take 30 seconds and give a little bit of the answer. But if you'd be kind enough, I know you've got some input here too, buddy. Now, for the one thing I know is um, what I like to do uh, when it comes to, to, you know, knowing other experts is, uh, you know, we have two experts on the phone today, not just one. So feel free to chime in on this one, buddy, because I know uh, this is a strength of yours. Um, but I would say, you know, a couple of things. You know, I love to have uh, an analytics program installed on, on websites of clients that we work with, such as like Google Analytics, because that helps as a dashboard to understand where traffic's coming from, uh, how long they're staying on the site, you know. But the bottom line is you can see where referring traffic's coming from. So if Facebook's off the map uh, in, in, in 2013 and then you start implementing Facebook strategies um, and then you look at your Google Analytics at the end of 2014 and you see that Facebook's now the number three uh, website that's referring traffic to your site, then, then you see that your marketing is working. So that's one strategy that you can use to really define success and another one I like to do is um, I always say be creative, Patrick. And a quick story on that is uh, I had a client that hosts events. And so I said to them, I want you to give an exclusive offer only on Facebook. And that's to get into the event for half price. And it's only going to be marketed on Facebook. And the way that they can do that is that when they get to the event, when they go to register, they have to scream Facebook at the top of their lungs. And the only other part about this is I don't want you to tell the people that are registering uh, at the desk there. I don't want them to know that this is happening, okay? So <laughs> we had a little camera set up, <laughs> and we had them, you know, so, you know, we, we, we kind of, like, threw out a little bit of a risk here, Patrick, because if this didn't work, we would have totally screwed up. But a couple people walk in, and all of a sudden, you know, they're sitting there, and then all of a sudden they go, Shut you know, they scream at the top of their lungs, and it freaks out the people at the registration table, and we're just laughing hysterically. The owner of the company is laughing. I'm laughing. It's a good time. But we're also seeing their marketing at work. You know, we're seeing that actually people saw it off of Facebook. So be creative. That's another way to measure. But how would you answer that question, Patrick? Well, I don't have a creative answer as that. That's awesome. <laughs> the, uh, wow. And, and now I'm taking notes because, you know, I'm thinking about doing seminars just like you do. And I'm like, oh, how can I do these cool ideas and just not steal everything Corey's saying? The, uh, the the one that, that I like to do is is in addition to sharing my own content is I like to share the wisdom of others and the first thing that comes to mind to me is 
to know whether or not people are listening to me, I have to see whether or not people are clicking on the things I share. And, you know, the first one that comes to mind is, is using uh, one of the, you know, the, uh, the URL shorteners have gotten really popular ever since, you know, we came out with things like Twitter where we have a limited amount of space. I, I can't put um, ebootcamp.com slash Michigan slash social media bootcamp slash 2013-12-21 you know, to measure that kind of thing. But what I can do is I can shorten that. And so when I share that out on any platform, I can see how many people click on that day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. So using a URL shortener to measure is a, is a good thing. Like you said, Google Analytics is, is a great tool. And while you were talking about that, I went there right now to go look at my Google Analytics to see that you're right. The way it presents it is it groups it by different social media sites. And then it also groups it as whether or not something was organic and paid also, which is really good. So I would encourage people that if they don't have any kind of analytics in place for their website or for social media, um, I'll let Corey tell you what tools he recommends. But for the URL shortener, I'm a big fan of using, uh, I have an account over a free account over at Bitly. I know they have paid accounts also, but I try to, every single time I have some kind of long link to share out, I try to pass it through Bitly. And then I can sign the bit link. I can see which networks my shortened links are being shared on, as well as how many clicks by day, and also how many clicks are being clicked on my own content versus content from like a recognized source like Forbes or Social Media Examiner or things like that. Because one of the things I learned about social media a while back is I can't just always be talking about my stuff. I have to be talking about Corey stuff. I have to be talking about Deb stuff. Uh, I am not the only expert in the world on social media. There are a thousand others just like me, probably in my state. So I, you know, for example, I don't know about you, but I share also a lot of the stuff that uh, our other NSA members do. So is that what you, is that one of the things you're looking at also is is shortening links and measuring clicks? Yeah, those are great. You know, and again, what, what, what Patrick's basically saying is, you know, you can take, say, an Amazon link, a great example. Amazon links are always a million miles long for like a book recommendation or something like that. And you can throw it over to bit.ly or tiny URL and, and bit.ly bit.ly for those of you who are um, taking notes. And they'll shorten that for you. And they'll make that, that URL, that, that link, super short for you as opposed to super long. But they'll also help you track um, how many people clicked on the link that you posted there if you go back and you register with, with bit.ly. Um, the one other thing I want to mention real quickly, Patrick, that I found fascinating, and this was sort of, sort of mind-blowing, for me, um, is I was, I was, again, I was doing another kind of private session with um, a client, and she was uh, constantly mentioning things off of my Facebook business page that I had posted there. And finally, I stopped her, and I said, i got to say something. I was like, you, you sound like you, you, you've been on my page for, for years, yet I've never seen you like or comment on anything that I've posted there. And she said, oh, Absolutely. And she said, I will never like or comment on anything that you say on your Facebook business page. I was like, ouch. Well, why is that? And she's like, Corey, you have something like 3,000 Facebook fans on your page. And if I like something or comment, those 3,000 strangers see my profile. Why would I want to do that? And I was just taken aback. And I was like, wow. I never thought of that you know, concern that my fans might have. Um, whether or not that's, that's realistic or true or not is, is a different conversation. But the point was whether or not it's true or not, if she felt that way. 
So the point of that story, Patrick, is not to be too concerned, overly concerned with engagement. Be more concerned about how valuable your posts are to people. And yes, engagement is important to measure that. But just really focus on providing value and helping as many people as you can. And don't worry so much about those likes and comments because sometimes people are reading them and they're just not liking them or clicking likers. No, I had never heard it put that way before. And that's, and that's well, that's kind of incredible. And I'll start going back and looking at my fan pages uh, because, you know, I do get a lot of comments sometimes in person of people I've never seen or heard from before saying, I like the stuff you put out. I just never thought about the fact that as much as they like it, they don't want to expose themselves to the thousands of fans that someone may have. You know, our groups are relatively small. What if you're, what if you're someone like Tony Robbins who might have a couple hundred thousand, if not a million fans? Uh, exactly. you, you comment on something, you like something there, and you're exposing yourself out to all kinds of things. Well, we're hitting just about the bottom of the hour, and I didn't take a break every 50 minutes like to have offered, but I am going to give Corey a chance to take a break and me a chance to take a break. Right now, you're listening to the Deb Creer uh, Social Media Light Show on Mile High Radio. We're going to take a quick five-minute break, and we'll be back for the second half of the hour. We're talking to Corey Perlman from ebootcamp.com. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. MileHighRadio.com. Just what the doctor ordered. Hey, Mile High listeners, this is Tara Lee, the Denver Nutritionista. I want to tell you about Ignite Max. It's an all-natural product that helps manage appetite, increases metabolism so you can burn more calories, and it's clinically proven to help reduce body fat. It's literally the only fat burner I've ever taken that gives me sustained energy throughout the day with no crash. Literally, no crash. It helps keep my energy up for my long days and helps get my butt to the gym for my workouts. Ignite Max burns up to 278 calories per dose. That's almost 8,000 calories in one month. Y'all know me. I'm all about natural, but Ignite Max only contains green tea extract. It contains natural ingredients found in seaweed, raspberry ketones, black pepper extract, and ginseng extract. It's all natural. I won't put anything in my body that isn't, so you know that this is a really great product. Just take two tablets per day, one with breakfast and one with lunch. And for an even greater effect, take one right before your workout. Whew, you're going to have one heck of a workout. Take it for 90 days. Give it a shot. Really let your body get used to it and adjust it and see the, and feel the difference in your energy. 90 days to make a difference in your life. To order Ignite Max, call 888-700-DIET or go to gogetfin.com. That's 888-700-DIET or gogetfin.com to order Ignite Max today. Mankind Project came to Colorado in 1994. Over 1,700 men have done the new warrior training adventure in Colorado, and currently over 300 Colorado men sit in weekly or biweekly integration groups, developing emotional competence, communication skills, and supporting and being supported by other men. The Mankind Project flies in the face of rigid stereotypes about the sensitive new age man and macho man. We ask men to go right up to the edge and beyond it in a culture that 
that seems to be comfortable with mediocrity and passivity from men. We ask men to stop living a vicarious adventure through their TVs and step into a real-time adventure to win back their passion for life. We ask men to confront the real problems in their lives and get 100% honest about who they are. Some men have a really hard time doing that. Many of us did too, but we took the risk anyway. The demands and pressures that men face today require an extraordinary level of courage, authenticity, and tenacity. Are you ready to take a risk and see what life's like on the other side of the door that you've come to? If you're ready to make a bold choice, the door can be thrown wide open. To visit an integration group or learn more, contact the Mankind Project at colorado.mkp.org. We're redefining mature masculinity for the 21st century, and we want your help. Chris here from Yambana Gluten-Free Bakery. Do you get gas, bloating, cramping, or worse when you eat items with wheat, barley, or rye? You may be dealing with celiac, gluten intolerance, or a gluten allergy. Experts estimate that up to 40% of us need to avoid gluten. At Yambana, we bake the best-tasting gluten-free items hands down. For two years, I've been perfecting our recipes to be tasty and moist instead of dry and crumbly. We use nothing artificial, and we ELISA test our products to be sure they're truly gluten-free. So no matter if you're a super-sensitive celiac or someone who feels better staying away from gluten, stop tooting your gluten and visit our online store today. Go to yumbanashop.com. That's Y-U-M-B-A-N-A-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. We ship worldwide, and if you live in the Castle Rock area of Colorado, delivery is free. Save 10% when you enter the coupon code MILEHIGHRADIO. Yumbanashop.com. Okay, welcome all your listeners back to the Social Light uh, social media show with Deb Greer, who is not here right now. She is probably laying next to the pool on some cruise ship uh, up and around the Alaskan Peninsula, not the least bit concerned about what's going on in social media. I know I was on a, a cruise here past November, and to tell you the truth, I'm not... I think I took one picture as we were getting on with a glass of champagne, and after that, I tried to stay offline. And we are talking with Corey Perlman from ebootcamp.com, who is a social media expert and travels around the world teaching people about the right and the wrong things to do in social media. And he also has a book out called eBootcamp, and it's consistency with his branding. You can find all of his information at ebootcamp.com. For those of you that are just joining us, you can also feel free to share the show out on social media and listen live on the web. So we're getting to our second half of our hour here, and i got another set of questions for Corey here to some pearls of wisdom. And the one that comes to mind also is that I hear a lot of people saying that you should get into social media because it's free. It's the best free advertising you can do, but but these social media sites are are slow, slowly, and not really slowly so much as they're rapidly, to say the truth, starting to try to monetize the content and find ways for people to pay to get in front of eyeballs versus just using the free side. So I was kind of curious, Corey, your take on do you recommend people use some of the paid features of Facebook ads and paid features of Twitter 
versus the, you know, or are the free ones good enough? What's your take on the paid versus the free social media promotions? Um, let me uh, start with uh, LinkedIn, and then I'll move to Facebook and then Twitter. Um, as far as LinkedIn, they have the premium subscription that people often ask me a lot about. And my recommendation was uh, paying to use the LinkedIn, more additional LinkedIn features is uh, oftentimes you'll get to dead ends on LinkedIn. If you're using it extensively enough, you'll get to a point where they'll say, oh, can't do that anymore until you become a premium subscriber. Um, if you get to that two or three times within a month, that might be a good time to move to that to that level. Uh, whereas, you know, my biggest concern with folks listening is you go and you, you just subscribe for premium and then you're not using the free features enough anyway, so it's really a waste of money. So that's how I'd recommend doing LinkedIn. If you start getting to those dead ends where they stop letting you use it until you become a premium subscriber, then, then I would go ahead and, and make that switch. As far as Facebook, you know, as far you know, we, we, we manage the social media marketing for about uh, 35 companies. And, um, you know, we've found over the years that, you know, in the beginning, you, you basically could just post things on your business page and, and most of your fans would have a chance to see them. And, and obviously gone are those days when Facebook became a publicly traded company. You know, they've got a lot of shareholders that are wanting, you know, Facebook to make a, a return. And so, therefore, they're looking for more ways to, to make money. So one of those ways is they, they want you to promote your posts now. So they're basically saying, look, if you post a, a message on your business page, on average about you know 20% of those people are going to see it or have a chance to see it. Whereas if you pay us, you know we'll, we'll increase that number, that percentage. And and so what we found is we've needed to pay them in order to get more exposure to their fans for the messages that we want them to see. So what I would suggest your listeners to do, Patrick, is if you have an important message, an important message might be a, an event that you're hosting or uh, a new sale that's coming out or, or something that's really going to potentially give you a return, then you may want to promote that post. And that, that, that typically shows up right below the post that you just made on Facebook. It says, would you like to boost or promote this post? And then it will give you an amount of money that um, that you would have to pay in order to, for a certain amount of people to see it. And I would suggest that from time to time. And then lastly, with Twitter, you know, Patrick, I might bounce that ball back to you. I don't, I don't use the, any paid features on Twitter right now. I'm not even that familiar with it. Um, I know you can, but I just haven't used it. Have, have you seen any success with either yourself or with clients with uh, advertising on Twitter? No, that that's that one's a really hard one for me because I hear you can target people, but but I'm always looking to to put my clients' content where people are looking for it, and that's one of the reasons, for example, that Google is so popular when it comes to advertising is people go on Google looking for things, but they don't go on social media looking for things. They go on social media to look on pictures sometimes or, or on particular fan pages. They don't go, a lot of times they don't go searching for products and services. So even though I've seen it recommended to me as far as Twitter advertising, and I've even got some free coupons lined up for it, I just don't really see how I can glean enough information out of 140 characters to give an effective message for a client. Well, we'll, you know, we'll talk about the roofing client that you mentioned earlier. How, how can I figure out if people are needing a new roof or not just by the 140 characters that they're putting out? If you're lucky, someone will say, I need a new roof and you can happen to know that they are in Oklahoma City and then you can target that. But the people put out so many random things on Twitter. 
that you, it, I find it hard to target. So I, I probably have the same experience level you have. I've been in the back end. I've looked at it, uh, but I haven't touched it yet. I keep most of my clients paid advertising over on Google or over on Facebook and especially the new Facebook uh, advanced audiences and the power editor. That's where some real power can be cracked out of the Facebook advertising. Yeah, you know, um, I mentioned the promoted post. That's kind of what we call native advertising, where you're actually in the the news feed. Um, that's where your 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 advertising showing up, which is pretty cool. But there's this whole other side of Facebook where you know you have the advertising. And it's funny, Patrick. I had a guy one time say to me, "Well, Corey, every time I go to your Facebook business page, there's just nothing but beer ads on the right, man. What's what's going on? You know, are you like a beer connoisseur or something?" I said. Well, it's funny you can ask that. They're actually targeting to you, not not anything to do with my page. It's your life. So you must be the yeah. And he's like, actually, I am. That's why I was asking. I was like, okay, well, there you go. But yeah, I mean, they, they you know they do a really good job. The power of Facebook advertising is is really really strong. Um, you can target in ways that I've never, in my experience, been able to before with any other, whether it be offline or online. Um, media strategies, uh, you can target by age, you can target by education level, you can target by, um, you know, male, female. You can target by likes and interests, which is really fascinating. If somebody likes, you know, wine, you know, maybe they like, um, uh, you know, maybe their destination of choice might be, you know, a hotel could, could advertise to them for Napa Valley, you know. So their likes and interests, are just super powerful and you can play with that all day long to figure out unique ways to be able to get your ad seen by really, really quality um, visitors of Facebook. It's really powerful. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And another feature that sometimes freaks people out, I know it freaked me out the first time I saw it is, you know, I said earlier that over on Google, you can target what people are searching for, but you can't on Facebook. But now what what Facebook done is has done is they've partnered with some other companies to where if you search for something on Google and it takes me over to something you know like HomeDepot.com in the in the hammer section or in the air compressor section, when I go into Facebook, that Home Depot ad carries with me. So they're doing retargeting from outside of Facebook back into Facebook. And originally it was just from site to site. Like I would go from my site over to somebody else's site and I would see the same ads. Now those ads are coming to me inside of Facebook. So anyone that's considering that paid route, you know, get with Corey and and take a look at some of these advanced things. It's just it's just amazing what they can do. How those ads can follow you from outside of Facebook back into Facebook. That okay. is really powerful. I've been seeing these remarketing things recently in a lot of different formats. And just so everybody's clear with that is basically it used to be anyway where if you went to a website, let's say you went to Home Depot and then you went to you know, patrickarman.com or, uh, or wherever you, you were going, different site, all of a sudden you'd see an ad from that Home Depot site, and you're like, gosh, that's, that's a coincidence. Well, it's not a coincidence. You know, that, that, that happened on purpose. They cookied you or, or they're tracking you as you move along to different sites, and they're putting the ads of the website you were recently at. That's what remarketing is all about. And what Patrick's saying is now, you know, when you go to Facebook, you know, they're taking that same um, strategy and bringing it into Facebook, so you'll see an ad from a website you just visited inside Facebook. It's really powerful, Patrick. Yeah, and that's the key word there. It's called retargeting. And I haven't seen it on, on Twitter, but I've seen a lot of it, like I said, from website to website and from website into Facebook. So that's one of the many ways you can you can carry your message forward just to keep reminding people of what they were looking at before. 
Uh, moving what, I, down. what I love about being interviewed by really smart people is I learn things as I'm being interviewed. And there you go, Patrick. Thanks for teaching me something, buddy. Not a problem. Okay, pop quiz time. Here are three different businesses, and I'm just kind of curious as to how your strategy would change for businesses. And I'll put these in your head, and then we can come back to each one. Yeah, the roofing company, again, we touched on that one briefly. Uh, maybe a sales executive from a B2B company. And then the lastly, a law firm. These are three different clients that are all knocking on eBootCamp store and saying, help me, Corey, help me. How would you approach each of these three differently? It's a good question, Patrick. And, you know, I think this question is important, you know, whether you fit into these individual businesses or not, obviously. But the, the differences in strategy, I just want you to kind of, as we talk about each of these, and Patrick, feel free to chime in, too, on what you would do. Uh, but they're, they're, so much, they're so different. And it's just key to know that, that not, not every social media site, not every digital strategy works for each industry. And so as we go through here, you'll kind of notice that. Starting with the roofing company. So this would be kind of a service-oriented company, you know, a small business, a local business. That's kind of the key area here. Um, if I were talking to them, I would really focus, first of all, on web optimization. So I'd want to make sure that uh, when people type in things like roofing, um, you know, Royal Oak, Michigan, or roofing, Sacramento, California, that your site's popping up, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, if people are starting fresh there, which a lot of people still do, um, you want to be able to, to, to rank in those local areas. So we'd work on some optimization strategies for your website. The next thing I would do is also work within the directories that rank. So what I mean by that is if somebody comes and knocks on your door and they say, hey, you know, we'll, for, for a thousand bucks, we'll put you in our directory. The first thing I would do, Patrick, is search roofing or whatever service in my local area and see if this directory comes up. If they don't come up on the first page or second page, why am I bothering talking to them? Right? So right. if the yellowpages.com come up to you and say, hey, for 50 bucks, we'll put you in our directory, and you type in roofing company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and there's yellowpages.com, their directory, well, then they are worth talking to. But if they're not there, then you may consider that that's not the best option. Gotcha. So I would work within directories that rank for your key searches and make sure that you're there. And most important, and this is a big one, write this down if you're a local company, that you have positive reviews there. So if it's Yelp, if it's Kudzu, if it's Google Local Business, if it's um, Urban Spoon, you know, all these review sites, these directory sites, all have an opportunity to get reviews. And so I would be asking my customers what sites that they typically, Angie's List is another one, that they typically frequent, and I'd ask them if they had a good experience with us to write a review. Now, I recognize, that Patrick, you might be thinking this, some of these sites don't like that. They don't like when you solicit reviews, and I understand that. That doesn't mean you can't try and I know Google Plus doesn't care, and I know, you know, Kudzu doesn't seem to care, and I don't think uh, Angie's List, if you're a member there, they don't seem to care, but I know Yelp does, and they try to filter out solicited reviews. I don't understand that, and Patrick, I don't know if you have an opinion on that, but I think if they're a true customer, they're not your sister or brother, but somebody who's actually really had an experience with you, I don't see why it's it's, it's not a good idea to ask them for, for a review. Do you, would you agree or disagree with that? No, I'd agree with you 200% there. I mean, it's something that they wouldn't normally think of, uh, and you don't have to, it's one of those things that people be careful. Make sure you don't offer a discount or any kind of benefit as, as doing it. But I see no problem at all saying, you know, if you liked, you know, you see this in, in dentist office sometimes, you know, if you didn't like our yeah. service, tell us. But if you do like our service, you know, tell a friend. There's nothing wrong with that in the real world. You're just caring what people 
do over in the real world over into the online world. So, no, I, I agree with you 100% there, Corey. Yeah, I mean, you just, a dentist, a great example. You see, you, sometimes you see them, sometimes you don't. You wonder why more dentists don't ask for their patients to, to because that's, you know, you think about how you search for things and, and to see, you know, even a negative review. And some people ask all the time, I don't want to go too, too deep in here, but if you get a negative review, what should you do? You know, well, um, if you're going to respond, you want to obviously take all the emotion out of it and be as diplomatic and as um, politically correct as you can in that response. You know, oftentimes a negative reviewer is looking for a fight. The last thing you want to do is give them that. But if you can if you can go to the end of the earth to try to fix that issue, which I highly recommend trying to do, oftentimes your critics can become your champions. Right. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I would definitely work on, on trying to solve that issue. But going back to your original question, Patrick, so I'd work on those review sites. The website obviously is important. And, you know, going back to the roofer, you know, uh, you know, LinkedIn, I'm not too worried about. Twitter, I'm not too worried about. You know, yes, having maybe a Facebook presence is not a bad idea, but I'm really primarily focused on Google, Google advertising, your website, making sure it's optimized, and those review sites off to start. And then maybe I start diving a little bit into Facebook. The B2B person. So this is a salesperson. You know, they have you know five or six clients. Maybe they have twelve clients. Maybe they have three clients. A longer-term strategy. It's not like you're selling a cup of coffee, but this is a reoccurring client and such. All the things I talked about there probably don't matter as much. There, we're, we're primarily focused on Facebook and LinkedIn, building relationships, long-standing relationships. And one of the things I'll mention real quick, Patrick, that I think the huge strategy is is friending them on Facebook. That, you know, people freak out when you start thinking about mixing business and pleasure, but I think that that is, I would freak out if I didn't mix business and pleasure. Uh, I would really be losing out on, on building strong relationships with some of my VIP clients if I were not connected with them as friends on Facebook. Let me give you an example of that. You know, one of my largest clients were friends on Facebook, and she recently uh, shared that, you know, her um, uh, nephew was battling cancer. And this is the kind of thing that's pretty private. And I'm not sure this would have come up in a business situation. And I had the opportunity to be able to not only support my client, uh, just, you know, to send some prayers and, and that type of thing, but I was also able to financially support and, and to donate that to that cause. And I didn't do that for any strategic reasons, Patrick. I did it because I'm actually friends with this person. But I was able to do that simply because of the Facebook presence or Facebook relationship that we have and that they, they decided to share that on Facebook. So... I would entertain the possibility that, that some of the people listening who have these long-standing clients and have, you know, good relationships with them might want to think about connecting on Facebook. Um, you know, Patrick, what, what are your thoughts on that? Just kind of throw it back to you for a second. No, it was a, it, you brought up a very good example. Um, I, I believe that business is as much personal as it is, you know, in the office. Things happen inside the office. Things happen outside the office. And... I have no problem connecting with my clients when they submit a LinkedIn request or a Facebook request or a Twitter request, approving those. It, I'm going to look at it, since you looked at it from strictly the, the non-business, non-benefit point of view, I'm going to actually dip my toe briefly into the business benefit side since this is a primarily a business show, is that it gives you more information to talk to the person. It gives you more information to connect with them on a personal level. Um, you know, You learn about tragedies like you said there. But I'm going to say if someone's sharing something good that's going on in their life or something great, you know, if, if you're working with a potential lead 
or a potential client and you know they share online all of a sudden they've doubled their revenue for the year you don't necessarily have to take you know a big advantage of that but it helps to know what how to plan strategically and how to help them with with the uh with with their future of their business on social media on the web maybe they you found out they're hiring a bunch of new people and you want to get those people on social media inside of the company there it's just a just a gray line there between personal and and business and i think that I have no problem stepping over both sides either way. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, and then the last uh, industry, you know, so I would just also say that you can do, you know, similar things on LinkedIn as well, but I, I would be primarily focused if I'm a salesperson or a B2B consultant of some kind that I'm primarily focused on LinkedIn and Facebook, building relationships there, connecting, staying top of mind with both prospects and customers using those two tools. And then with the law firm. Uh, again, I, I, I think LinkedIn's a good uh, prospecting tool that I would I would spend some time on. You know, most again uh, executives tend to be a little more comfortable in the LinkedIn space than they do in some of the other social spaces like Facebook or Twitter. So people often say, though, you know, well, what should I do on LinkedIn? Well, one of the obvious strategies that I see people miss all the time, Patrick, is once they're connected with all their their prospects and customers on LinkedIn, they they just leave it alone. And yet everybody knows on Facebook that you got to go on Facebook and post things in order for people to, to see you and remember you, but yet they don't do that on LinkedIn. Yet you can do the same thing on LinkedIn. As soon as you go to LinkedIn, there's a little speech bubble that's right next to your face where it says share an update. So I challenge the people that are on the call today or uh, listening in on the radio to go to LinkedIn and share an update on a daily basis. Now, what should you share? Anything that your customers and prospects would deem valuable. This can be client case studies. You know, just met with a client and um, they had an issue with, um, you know, uh, sales tax and some kind of lawyer thing. I don't know. I'm going way out of my comfort zone there. You know, and then they you, you share a couple tips on how to resolve that, right? So that's adding value. Um, you know, here's a great article that I read on the new uh, Obamacare things that are coming in for health care type stuff. You know, all of these things can be of value and also remind people that you're there, that you're smart, that you're connected to your industry and your industry news, and the phone could ring or an email could be sent to you simply because they saw that update. So I highly recommend to not only the law firm, but anybody listening to share updates on LinkedIn. Um, I'd also make sure that the website, again, going back to that, is very strong as a law firm. You're not going to lose, you're not going to win business because your website is awesome. But you can easily lose business if your website sucks. Okay, uh, so yeah. if you annoy people, if if it's frustrating, if it looks like it was built in 1995, um, you can scare people off easily if you got a crappy website. Am I saying that a law firm needs to have a ten million dollar, ten thousand uh, dollar, unbelievable, crazy website? No, it needs to have a nice looking, professional easy-to-read, easy-to-navigate site uh, that gets people on the phone or face-to-face. Those are the two areas, LinkedIn and your website, that I would primarily focus on. Gotcha. And that and that website question kind of segues into the website statement actually segues in really good into our next question. And to you, if you're looking at the time, this is probably going to be the last thing that we have a chance to cover. And, you know, as usual, uh, I overplan and I probably got five or six other questions here. But yeah. in this day and age, you know, January 9th, 2013, um, I, I see this sometimes, and I'm sure you do too. I see people believing that they don't need a website at all 
And there's a, there's a good argument either way, but I see people that don't even get a website. They strictly rely on their Facebook a fan page because that's where all the people are. That's where they get the interaction. That's where they get the engagement. You know, there's millions of people on Facebook. Why would they even bother having a website? Uh, I mean, is that even still relevant to have a website in this day and age? Yeah, well, let me also say that uh, uh, September 9th, not January 9th, that's okay. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> you were worried about the question, but I don't want anyone thinking we're too, <laughs> too far behind on this interview just in case they listen to it later. But, Good point. Um, <laughs> sorry. You know how things change, you know? I mean, guys, I'm not even sure the Internet was around back in January of 2013. Let's uh, <laughs> answer the question. Okay, so is the website important? Yes, it is still very, very um, valuable. It's a, it's a huge asset, but I continue to stress um, it, it is extremely important. Uh, that helps people build credibility. It can help you generate leads. Something you need to take really, really good care of. As I mentioned before, I also want to take the opportunity as we're wrapping up here to remind people that um, you know, yes, this is a social media world, and that there's a lot going on on social media. But you can't forget about your other digital assets that are extremely important as well. I'll mention three. One is, of course, your website. We talked about that at length today, and it's something you really need to pay attention to. The other is email marketing. I still see, you know, everyone, you know, I think some of these social media pundits are funny when I hear that social media, that email's passe and then it's dead, and I'll speak in front of, you know, a thousand people at a auto convention or at a real estate convention, and I'll say, how many of you have checked email before you came to this conference and it's like at 9 a.m. And, and 999 people raise their hand? Okay, good. Email is not dead. If I had a, uh, uh, you know, uh, if Patrick had me in a, uh, a chokehold from his uh, martial arts background and said, Corey, um, you need to sell something for me right now or I'm going to choke you out, what, do you, what, do, what would I do? I'd hit the send button and I'd send an email. And that's how I would uh, make some business uh, immediately. So I, I still think email is a, a prime strategy to generate business. It's just because there's so much noise, you need to do it well, and you need to pack it full of value. That's email marketing. And then the last thing I'll say is a blog. A blog's a great opportunity for some of you to define yourselves as a thought leader in your space. A blog is simply a uh, platform for a bunch of articles. Either you've written or your team has written or um, you can have guest writers, but whatever you're doing, a blog is a nice opportunity to uh, build credibility. I'll give you a quick example, and then I'll shut up. Um, when I was in Michigan, I needed a dermatologist, and I'm from Florida, so we get sunspots. And I got on a woman's blog, a dermatologist, her, her blog, and just for the first three months, I never called her or went in or anything, but I just read every once in a while one of her articles about keeping your skin healthy. And she was super smart super knowledgeable, and super experienced. And I got that through her blog, and I became a customer of hers because of it. So remember that you can really define yourself as a, as a thought leader through blogging. Don't forget email marketing, and don't forget your website. Great, great tips there, Corey. Uh, as we wrap up here, everybody, I just want to remind you that Corey Perlman uh, can be found at ebootcamp.com, and he has an Amazon book by this, it's a book whether it's on Amazon or not, but I was just there, and Corey is the kind of guy that eats his own dog food, and he has plenty of great reviews on this site, uh, and they're all five-star reviews is what it looks like to me. I can't really see the detail of the stars there, but it looks like the fifth oh, stars. There, there Oh, oh, Patrick, there are some one- and two-star reviews there, too, man. People love to tell you how, how, how incorrect your book is, man. And I, I tell people out there, anybody who wants to write a book, 
you haven't made it until you get a one-star review. Let me just tell you that. You haven't really stood for anything until <laughs> somebody goes out there and tells you you're wrong. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> gotcha. That's great. The way I see it here in Oklahoma City is we have a, we have a blogger, kind of like a TMZ slash a Perez Hilton type blogger, yeah. and who, who picks on everybody, and you know you've made it when he picks on you. And I've been on his blog a couple of times. Yeah, so. baby, that's right. <laughs> he wanted he wanted someone to vote for the most annoying social media person in the city, and I, I told my friends, please go vote for me. I want to win this award. <laughs> so, Corey, man, thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure if Deb wasn't sipping a pina colada on the side of the, the pool right now on the cruise around Alaska, she'd be here to thank you also. But, sir, I really do appreciate your time today. Uh, it's my pleasure, Patrick. You, you, as a guest uh, interviewer, I know you don't do this every day, man, but you were a natural buddy, so thank you so much. My pleasure. And for everybody else listening, you've been listening to the Social Light Social Media Radio Show with Deb Creer. Deb is out this week. My, I believe she'll be back next Monday at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, no, excuse me, we're 11 o'clock Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Central Time for the Social Media Light Show. This has been your guest host today. Patrick Allman with Corey Perlman from ebootcamp.com. Be sure, if for those of you tuning in late, be sure you go back to the website and listen to the show archives. Go to Deb's website, which is debcreer.com, K-R-I-E-R.com, debcreer.com. Subscribe to her so you can be kept up on these podcasts. Same with Corey Perlman's site. Go to ebootcamp.com. I know this guy eats his own dog food. He's got, I'm sure, a free download there where you can get on his email list and learn about his upcoming classes. His next book that's coming out, his next 10 books that are coming out, I'm sure, and one of his upcoming Oprah appearances coming up soon. So hopefully we'll have that soon in, in the works. And once once we do that, Corey will just be off the map. Again, this has, been the, this has been the Dead Career Social Light Social Media Radio Show. You guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant If nothing beats a great pair of legs, then nothing can beat MileHighRadio.com This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com